Hey everybody, welcome to Marvel Champions Monthly, a fan podcast about the card game Marvel Champions. I am one of your co-hosts, Kennedy Hawk. We have all four hosts from our show here today. We've got Americano. How's it going, Americano? Hey, take your time. Yeah, no hurry. He's defending something. One, we have Adderkop. How's it going, Adderkop? <laughs> <laughs> it's going good. I'm, I'm glad to be here, as usual, talking about things that I like. With a headset that works, see? Yeah. And we have Crimson. How's it going, Crim? How's it going? Pretty good. Going pretty good here as well. He's back. Hey. Hey, we have Americano. How's it going, Americano? Uh, uh, it's been better, but... <laughs> <laughs> this works. I'm happy to be back. Um, Some Somebody is thwarting your headset right now, huh? Yeah, I keep telling my neighbor, you know, just upgrade your internet so I don't have this problem, but... <laughs> yeah, you should throw them like five bucks and then they can get a little bit better internet, but you don't got to pay for that upfront cost. It'd be worth it. <laughs> anyway, today we are continuing our coverage of the Sinister Motives campaign box. So last time we talked all about Spider-Man Miles Morales and Ghost Spider Gwen Stacy. And today we're going to continue the coverage talking about the first three villains in the campaign. So if you haven't played them yet, tune out now. But if you have, you know we'll be talking about Sandman, Venom, and Mysterio. So we're going to get right to it today. Um, we will jump right into an overview of the villain. We'll also talk about the mod sets that come along with those villains, uh, the recommended modular sets. We won't be talking about the campaign mode today. We'll talk about the final two villains and our thoughts on the campaign and campaign cards in next episode. So... Without further ado, we're going to jump right into Sandman, and I think Adderkop is going to give us an overview of this Tatooine-like villain. Yeah, I think it's because I, I live closest to the beach, so sand. Uh, I have an affinity for sand, obviously. I thought you were going to say the desert, and I was like, I think you're wrong. But That's, okay. why, that's why I didn't say I'll it, because then I would have been wrong. I'll take the beach. There's, you know, Everybody knows there's more sand at the beach. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, we're going to talk about Sandman. Um, as usual, the first villain in the box is, uh, overall, I think pretty great. Uh, his stage one has one scheme and two attack. Uh, it's got the criminal keyword and the sandblast, um, ability, which is like his, you know, bread and butter. Uh, sandblast, force interrupt. When Sandman attacks you, that attack deals indirect damage. If your identity takes any damage, any amount of damage from that attack, resolve the Surging Sands ability on city streets. So, uh, this goes on to his, his uh, stage two as well. His, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, he's also got uh, 16 HP per player. Um, so, not a crazy amount. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised. I thought he'd have like a ton of health being made of sand and everything. Um, his stage two has one scheme and three attack. Um, He's also got the criminal keyword, and when revealed, resolve the Surging Sands ability on city streets, which we'll get to in just a second. And uh, he still has Sandblast, like I mentioned. Uh, finally, on his level three, he's got one scheme uh, and three attack, and when revealed, place a sand counter um, on city streets, then resolve the Surging Sands ability. And uh, lastly, he's got uh, Sand Wave, which is the Force interrupt, just like the original, or the, the other ability. Um, when Sandman attacks you, 
that attack gains overkill. If your identity takes any amount of damage from that attack, resolve the Surging Sands ability on City Streets. So obviously he ramps up and it makes it uh, harder and harder to deal with his attacks without getting the uh, Surging Sands uh, additional effects. So uh, what is City Streets? City Streets is an environment. Um, it, uh, it sets up initially and uh, it's got the Surging Sands ability. Uh, special, place one sand counter here. Discard cards from the top of the encounter deck equal to the number of sand counters here. So it kind of ramps up, um, sort of like, uh, I guess sort of like Nebula, but not as uh, <laughs> not as absolutely horrifying. Uh, hero action, exhaust a character you control, remove sand counters from here equal to that character's attack, limit once per round per player. So uh, we have the villain, we have like kind of the main gimmick, um, and then before we move on, we have uh, the actual main scheme, which is just a, just a 1A and 1B. Um, like I said before, it sets up the City Streets encounter. Uh, it starts with four sand counters on it with setup. Um, Hapless Pedestrians, the main scheme, starts with two scheme per player. It goes up by one per player. Um, and uh, Force Response, after an acceleration token, is placed on the, uh, this scheme, deal three indirect damage to the first player. Uh, if the stage is completed, the players lose the game. So you can see the synergy uh, with Sandman. He eats the encounter deck and punishes you for accelerating, and eventually uh, he literally buries you. Love it. All I yeah, can think I... about when playing this is the Anakin scene where he complains about sand, and we just quote it over and over and over again. <laughs> just nonstop. Yeah, set setting setting up this uh, this encounter was really cool because like the mechanic was apparent immediately and I liked it. Like I knew that I already liked it like thematically. So perfect. As, as I usually say, like the theme is super, super important to me and this, this nails it. This is, this is the best initial scenario we've had in any box of the four boxes. Well, I guess I, I don't know about that. No, it, it is <clears throat> my boy okay. crossbones. I don't know. No, yeah. this, I think this is better than crossbones. I have to agree with Americano on this one. I, I'm actually going to agree as well, but it's for many <laughs> reasons. I just wanted to fight. I just wanted to fight for my boy Crossbones. I, um, I, I'm not saying that Crossbones is bad. I think Crossbones is a really good scenario. I just think this is the best one of the of the initials. I guess that's not very well. The other two aren't very good, but they're okay. Um, I like them both. And if I'm going to sell a new person on Marvel Champions, I think. I, you can't go wrong with either Sandman or Crossbones for teaching them the mechanics of the game, how villains work, how like important threat is, and all sorts of things like that. And yeah, I think yeah, they're I think, both really, really good. They're both top ten villains for me for sure. I, I think this is definitely an improvement over like Rhino. Um, this this allows a player to see an environment card. It allows a new player to see more interactions between certain things. Um, but they're not it, complicated interactions either. Exactly, they're they're very straightforward, easy to understand. This is a great scenario for a new player. To me, what I really like about this scenario, and I think Adderkop hinted at it, like the city streets can feel a little bit like Nebula's ship, and we've talked enough about the tax that is Nebula's ship. And city streets can kind of feel like a tax when you have to clean up those sand counters. You got to send your hero out there with a broom and a dustpan and sweep up some of Sandman's body, I guess. Um, 
But it's it's a lot more fair, right? Because you can build around, well, I'll get to a high attack or use my highest attack ally for that. And you can share that load across multiple players and multiplayer. Whereas in Nebula, whenever you were the first player, you were like, cool, I get the Milano. And now I like don't get to have any fun this turn. Whereas here, since you can use your allies and you can use your heroes, and you don't necessarily always have like a ton of sand counters once you get them under control, um, it feels a lot less painful as attacks. Now, we didn't get into all the other cards in this kit, but my favorite thing about Sandman is I feel like a lot of times with the villains, there's like 18 cards in their kit, and like 12 to 14 of them are like perfectly thematic and work with what the villain wants to do mechanically. And then there's just four random cards that seem to not work <laughs> with, with the mechanic at all. But there's none of that in Sandman. Like every card ties into his key mechanic. And the way the main scheme, when you place an acceleration token, deals damage, but his whole mechanic is about milling, but it's also about the sand counter, counter management. Mm. We've talked about a lot in Galaxy's Most Wanted how two scenarios are trying to like push two different design spaces, but they're not gelling well. And here, Sandman's doing like three things in the first scenario, and they all like are cohesive and relate to each other and build into each other in this beautiful way. And I think that that's... That's a Beautiful. rare occurrence that, like, I feel like every card is, like, not necessarily necessary, but every card is, like, fun and engaging with the villain scenario. So I love that. Yeah, I, I literally just sold somebody on getting back into Marvel Champions because of Sandman. Um, they were saying, oh, should I pick up? Because uh, they hadn't played since before, I think, Galaxy Most Wanted. And they said, I heard uh, GMW was difficult. Um, what What would you recommend that I do to get back into the game? And is it a good time to get back in? And uh, at first I said Mad Titan's Shadow because it was great, obviously. But then I stopped and I thought about it for a second. I went, no, wait. It's, like, Sinister Motives is, is really, really good. You know, Sandman is a lot of fun. Um, and it's cool to see how the game has, has evolved since you've been gone. And uh, honestly, like, a lot of that is on the back of Sandman. Yeah, that's I awesome. I had the same experience. A guy in our group had quit after Mad Titan's Shadow. And he didn't pick up the heroes in that last wave. And he said, I'm still going to play with you guys on Friday nights, but I'm not going to buy it anymore because like, I feel like we're just spiraling a sink with the scenario design feeling samey and not being cohesive. So he came over and played the we played the whole campaign on one night. And after Sandman was finished, he like went to our local game store website and like pre-ordered the box because he was like, <laughs> this box is awesome. And I'm like, oh, Sandman is doing his job. Just mm -hmm. selling the dollars. Yeah. I think Definitely. I think it's a, mechanically too on that environment. I think for surging sands, it's really important that that special ability says place one sand counter here. That's the first thing that happens because then you discard cards. You're it's always going to discard a card, and yep. and that oh and it's not that it's uh it's not over it's not overly punishing. I mean you can let it get out of control, right? But it's it always goes and this is i mean we've talked a lot about the theme which i think is on point with this but mechanically speaking it's always going to push his um his end game one of his end games right where where he's dealing you guys he's dealing the hero's damage bec by placing indirect uh or dealing indirect damage to you by if you get an acceleration token because he's always discarding always milling his deck even if it's just one card it, right. Yep. It, the the mechanic there of of just always pushing that 
forward with having that. I mean, it's such a simple thing and maybe it, you know, maybe it's, you look at it and you're like, well, of course it would do that. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know that that's an of course. I think it's needed to be that way, you know? So, um, anyway, yeah, that was something that I, I went back and I thought more about more about, and I was like, wow, that that's what really makes this work mechanically. Yeah. Nothing in his kit is like, Oh, I drew this. I lose the game kind of thing. Everything yeah. is workaroundable. Everything is survivable um, with the right preparations. He's just a very fun villain to play against. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I feel like um, his extra activation card is super fair. A lot of the villains now have an extra activation card where they get two more schemes and alter ego and two more attacks than hero. And he still attacks human hero. But the bonus is only plus one attack because mm-hmm. you have to work around like his indirect thing. So it's already core to his character. And then in Alter Ego, instead of placing any extra threat, they already know you're like taxed play, like dealing with these sand counters. So it places more sand counters, um, but it doesn't feel nearly as bad. It does surge still, which is annoying. But um, yeah. you don't have those extra schemes, which is makes flipping like super viable, which is nice. I'm glad that they didn't with the name of Surging Sands. They didn't make everything surge, <laughs> like, like like we've seen that kind of wordplay happen before, and I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm glad that it. didn't occur to me when I set this up because I would have just put it away if I thought that was <laughs> gonna happen. It doesn't. Good. It doesn't. Nope. Get it surging. Got you guys right. Good times. Oh yeah. I feel like that was a that was a meta joke by the designers, and I just got it. <laughs> I think they had to fill their quota of how many times surging is on a on on yeah. the cards, and in, in this way, it doesn't actually surge. It's just you know it helps. <laughs> there, I think I think Crim's right. <laughs> I do one more thing I wanted to say about Sandman is I feel like they hit the risk reward level right for players of Marvel Champions. Right, they keep saying Marvel Champions is about hero empowerment. So if you're going to have some sort of risk-reward mechanic, it, the, the risk not, needs to not be too menacing, but still be threatful enough that you consider like balancing the board, but that you don't always do it. And here you have all these options of like, well, I could clear sand counters and keep like delaying my win for that. Or I could take a little bit of risk and leave a couple sand counters on city streets. So the, the minion sand clone, he's one of my favorite cards in Sandman's kit. So it's a one-scheme X-attack minion with three health. X is equal to the number of sand counters on city streets. So he might come out when you have no sand counters and you say, well, I'm not going to waste time dealing with that minion. So you take this risk by leaving the minion on the board. Um, and when you defeat them, you resolve surging sands. So there's like a reward for taking that risk. But then eventually he's going to draw some kind of treachery or side scheme that puts a bunch of sand counters there. And now these minions are punching you in the face. So you have this like, very fun decision point as the player of when should I take care of this minion? Whereas typical Marvel Champions is like, oh, there's a minion. I should kill it immediately. That's always the best thing to do. Um, so I thought that was a really cool way to do that too. What's So what's everyone's favorite card then from this set? Because I, I I mean, what, what you said, Kennedy Hawk, that it gels, like all the mechanics gel together thematically. I, I mean, none of the cards I feel like needed to be there necessarily but they're mm-hmm. all they all work so well with with city streets and and his exhaustion milling we'll call it exhaustion whatever you're going to call it i don't care discarding cards um but what's i mean just really quickly what's everyone's favorite card 
I didn't really have a favorite card. I guess City Streets would be the favorite card because the environment changes everything on this in this villain pack and it made it enjoyable. Now, I I played a game where we ignored it till we had to deal with it and I played a game where we constantly kept it at zero. I'll tell you, it was much more enjoyable constantly keeping it at zero. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> um, I think it's Sandstorm for me. It's it's a one of, you know, uh, when revealed, deal X indirect damage among players um, divided as you choose, where X is equal to the number of sand counters on uh, city streets. If there are no sand counters on city streets, place three sand counters on it and shuffle this card into the encounter deck. So, I like this one a lot because I like the design of the card. It isn't I, you know, as I was reading through this card, I was honestly expecting the final words to be surge. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just gave the three sand counters and we just kind of moved on, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's a good feeling. And it goes back into the deck, so it's still dangerous. Plus, the art is really, really cool. I don't think I've ever seen this card as not a boost, so that's cool. And I've, I've played him a bunch of times, so that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I got it last night really, really early when I was playing with him. And uh, I was like, this is this is cool. Actually, I got it twice. Once it dealt the damage, and then the other time I had kept it totally clean. I kept all the dust out, you know? And yeah. um, I got the sand counters, and I was like, oh, Surge? And I double-checked it, and I was like, no, wait. No, Surge? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both times I got this, I had the counters on City Streets. Oh, that's cool. I think it's a really well-designed card. It is. It is my favorite one. Continuing the Star Wars jokes, I already mentioned the Sand Clone Wars, but I also like the It's a Dirt Trap side scheme. Um, it's actually just called Dirt Trap, and it's a side scheme that says, when defeated, resolve Surging Sand's ability on city streets, and then resolve it again. So you're going to add a counter and mill, and then add another counter and mill. So it's going to mill at least three cards total. And it's a crisis side scheme with only one threat on it. So this is like a really cool moment where you can tell that when they were designing this scenario that they really fine-tuned player balance really well because drawing this in a one-player game is painful and drawing it in a four-player game can be just as annoying um, but it doesn't scale like really poorly in solo or really poorly in multiplayer because they already know that they don't need to add like three per, pl per player threat onto this side scheme because your risk is leaving it out there with the crisis icon and there's this other cost you have to pay of adding sand counters that someone on the team is going to have to clean up. So I really appreciate that card because I feel like it shows that they've really like fine-tuned this scenario as far as player count goes. And I, I like that. In fact, both of the side screens don't have a, a player icon next to their initial Yeah, I kind of like the, that. The side screens you're saying? Yeah. They just have the like a flat threat yep. added onto it? Yeah, much nicer. What about you, Americano? Um, I my favorite is Sand Clone. Uh, you talked a lot about it, and we talked about it when we were playing this scenario together. Um, because there is a risk reward in should I go? Should I take it out? It's not. It's going to attack me for zero. But um, especially with those, you know, if you're playing, um, where the villain, what's that treachery in expert? With a villain and all oh, of the minions. Gang up, gang up. Gang yeah. up, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, if you pull that, that kind of sucks. You know? <laughs> yep. If, so, if you've just left the sand clone out there, 
So anyway, I, I think there's the whole, all in all, I think it, it's a very, very well designed scenario. It's fun. It's thematic. It's not pun. It's not overly punishing. Um, I, I agree with Crimson when he said um, it gives a good introduction to new players of what the game can do with an environment card and the different interaction, the card interactions. I would warn people that Sandman can be very, very matchup dependent. So luckily, Ghost Spider and Miles, who come in this box, are really good against Sandman because he's really weak to status conditions and he's really weak to characters with three defense because they can block a majority of his attack and then assign the indirect damage to an ally and avoid placing sand counters. But if you're playing someone with like a one defense or even a two defense that doesn't have a way to boost it and doesn't have a ton of allies you can like quickly rack up a ton of sand counters, especially in solo, and you end up deciding, should I defend or should I just take a sand counter and then remove two with my attack? And that becomes kind of a, not a feel bad, but like a different moment. So deck building for him, you definitely want to include a lot of allies. Allies that have a lot of health, like Hulk ally and US agent. I mean, you can assign a lot of sand counters or indirect damage from Sandman to them, and then still defend with your hero to sort of reduce the amount of indirect you have to put out. But uh, there are definitely some heroes where the matchup is a lot harder than others. So if you're playing with the box heroes, he's like a really good introduction. But if you give somebody maybe a weaker hero on defending, um, it might be a rough ride for that first uh, first game until you figure out the mechanics of how to play around his indirect damage. It might be a little gritty. Yeah. Yes. Back with the <laughs> jokes. Back with the puns. I'm glad you're back, Americana. Thank you. <laughs> so should we grade it and then and go to the mod that, or should we go to the mod that comes with it first? Let's let's grade it. Okay. Um, but first, does anybody have any piloting tips? I can say, man, are there any tips oh, yeah. or tricks you would offer people? Uh, keep those uh, city streets clear. Yeah. 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 Keep keep your house clean. Yeah. Get, get the I... broom and dust. I would say keep it reasonably clean. Like at the end of the day, the villain milling is annoying because you get acceleration tokens. But if you're playing in three or four player, one acceleration token does not bother you. Um, obviously, don't let it get too out of control, or you'll have a bad day with sandstorm. But... And super important to realize is that it, it doesn't cause consequential damage to your allies. If you have allies that aren't really attacking or thwarting at the moment, mm-hmm. use them. Yeah, if, man, it doesn't you're... hurt them. You're definitely That's exactly gonna, what I was going to say. Yeah, if you're playing, especially if you're playing with Ghost Spider, mm-hmm. uh, exhausting yeah. her to do to clean up the city streets feels bad. No, um, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you'll want to use your allies probably for her. And I would say almost never use your ally to defend against stages one and two. No. Since, since he does indirect damage, they don't actually reduce any of the damage you're taking. So you should always use your defense stat if you're going to defend. And then you can just spread the damage to those allies, but still keep them alive so they can clean the streets or do an activation. That way you avoid more things going on to the streets. Now, when you get to stage three and he gets overkill instead of indirect, that might change a little bit. Maybe you want to block with those high health allies and try to avoid getting damage on your identity. But when it's indirect damage, I, I, I honestly can't think of a situation where you want to defend with an ally because you could always... Maybe if you have regroup out or something like that, you can always just assign that damage to an ally, but reduce some of the damage with your hero, so it doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, um, the the consequential point. I was playing with uh, Vision last night, 
and was using Vivian to just keep things clear. You know, she's only got two HP, mm-hmm. but she has a three attack, I would say, most of the time. And uh, so, you know, she, she I think, thwarted the first time because that was pretty nice. And then after that, she was just, just digging the streets, just keeping everything clean forever. And that was that was pretty awesome. Good value out of a out of a two cost uh, ally. Nice. Yeah, blades also a good value. Really, really good one. Yeah. Yeah, I used Wonder Man a lot because he's he's a one three right, and you have to discard a card to attack with him. So he just became a, a literally a broom and dustpan. Yeah, I really just... would use him because he's in leadership. So. <laughs> I got a stand brand. I'm just kidding. I think I think Grim Suggestion is the best one though. Blade. I mean, change his name to Broom, right? Yep. You cross, did you use a marker? Did you use a Sharpie and cross it out and change it to Broom? You can't defile that card. It's too oh, good. Okay. Yeah, Wonder Man, maybe. Just on the sleeve. Just on the All sleeve, right. yeah. Let's grade this sandy mess. That's a good A for me. It's not A in power level, but A in just... Language! I would play him again a lot. In fact, I probably will play him over like <laughs> like Rhino. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he's going to be my new uh, test for damage character. Um, it still allows me to test thwarting, and I'm going to enjoy that. It's going to be a better test than Rhino is. Um, there's another character that will be test for survivability coming up. But yeah, th- this one's a good A. Um. Well, I can't go an entire episode without saying something stupid. And by stupid, I mean really corny. Um, so to say that this Pecan Sandy is sweet is not enough. Um, I would give it an A as well. I have no words. I have no words. <laughs> like, like, my leg twitched. Can yeah. you write more dad jokes so I can tell them? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, you know. I don't have kids. I just learned the martial art okay. somehow. I, I, I think know. you caused a pinch. That's a skill traded card, I think. Yeah, it's just it's it's in my genes. Um, I'm gonna give a boring answer and also say a, um, like <laughs> overall a, um, I think he's a lot of fun. I, I, I don't. I've said everything I need to say about Sandman. Dang it! It sucks when we all agree. I'm gonna say a, but I'm gonna say Sandman's probably a top five villain for me. Like. I wouldn't say necessarily in difficulty, but I think if you don't build to like counteract his ability, he can still be a super hard villain. So you can make decks that maybe don't run a lot of allies and then see if they can still survive Sandman, and that can be like a really good test. He's thematic, which is really important to me. He's fun. He's not overly powerful. You always feel like you're going into the game with a chance, but he always has the ability to muck with your day a little bit. So I think that he's definitely an A, and I can't see him dropping for a while. Yeah, usually uh, I have three categories for villains. I have testers, oh my god, this was epic, and throw this language trash. Running um, here, got it. He, he, he is definitely one of my testers. That's what I like to hear. Grim, would you say that your villains fall into three categories that you could define as vesters, testers, and the resters? I I, I would say yes. You definitely should say that. I think that you and, should definitely and say credit that. Credit I, dude, I'm I'm hitting only homers tonight. I don't know Someone what's just up. Should write an article. That's what I. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. The 
there's two mods you're supposed to use with this setup, or recommended mods, right? Um, yep. One of them which might I be required, did. I can't remember which one one's, is required. One's required and one's recommended. So the required yeah. is uh, City in Chaos, nice. and then the recommended is Down to Earth. And they are sweet. They're so good. Yeah, yeah th these ones aren't so bad. Oh. There, there's ones later, and we'll talk. <laughs> So City in Chaos is the Rhino mod. You get a Rhino minion who's an 8 health minion with 3 attack. He is steady and his attacks gain overkill and piercing. And he is a monster. Fear not. Oh yeah. Oh, he, Luckily, he, is he has a zero beast. scheme, so you can always hide from him. Uh, uh, no, he's a criminal and elite. No, no, he, he's a beast. Yeah, he's not a brute. Isn't <laughs> nope. that disappointing? Come on. He's not a, he's not a monster. He's not a, he's not a beast. <laughs> he's not either of those things. He's criminal and he's elite. That's it. Sorry, guys. He's an I, elite beast. He's an no. elite beast monster. <laughs> no, he's is, a criminal. Is, is, is he's calling in favors. He has a treachery that will let him scheme with plus two scheme. And if he's not in play, you're going to search for him and put him into play. And then he's got a couple treachery cards that have peril where you make a choice. And you either exhaust a character you control and spend a resource or place an acceleration token on the main scheme, which is almost never the answer <laughs> to choose, unless you're like, I can win this turn in your hand. So maybe in multiplayer, that's not as big of a deal. I like to do it just to make my team mad, but um, and, generally and I, I get booed then. So I do like Peril. Peril's a, uh, a pullover from Arkham Horror, and it, I enjoy it there, and I definitely enjoy it here. When, when you guys play with um, your groups, and somebody draws a peril card and they read it out loud. Do you react and you're like, no, 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 nope. You, oh, I Dan you, does. I, Kennedy Hawk does. Do I? No. What did I do? You, I read a peril card and you're like, I can't, I can't help you with that. And oh, like, that's I know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I like, don't react at all. I try to like. Yeah, yeah, I don't we react don't read at them all. Out loud, we in our play group we force ourselves to read those silently and then we just do the ability and then put it in the discard pile and everybody reacts afterwards because that's like that a lot. it feels like it would be in battle uh, yeah i like that a lot that's how that's how i'm gonna start doing it it's just doing it doing what it tells me like to myself there was a turn in our sandman group where i decked out and i got both copies of now or never and I drew them, and I was like, it's a peril card. And then everybody sits silently while you make your decision. And I placed an acceleration token, because the guy next to me was the first player, and then he took three damage from Sandman's scheme. And then I drew my second card, and it was another now or never, and I was like, it's a peril card. And then I just put another acceler <laughs> acceleration oh, token man. to be like, here, not my problem right now. I don't want to spend my dollars. <laughs> it was, oh, it was mean, mean, but it was worth it to see the reactions. So here's my question. Okay. How bad is City and Chaos in the with the Rhino villain? As I don't know, haven't um, what, keep, yeah, I don't think you can play the the Rhino. You can. So in the RRG, if there is a if a minion is revealed that is already in play because they're a villain or something like that, they just get discarded and gain search. So it's not a big deal that Rhino minion is in there. He's just a blank card that says surge. But mm -hmm. calling in and favor a, is like a, a third three advance card. that just ends your game. Yeah, and it's a three-boost card. Um, playing solo, I would never play Rhino with this in solo. Because yeah. <laughs> like Rhino scheming with plus two scheme and the auto threat has the chance to pop you right there. And now or never, you place an acceleration token, you basically lost. So yep, yep. Multiplayer, <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. But solo, nah. Okay. And then he does have a side scheme, Panic in the Streets. 
this card actually hurt me <laughs> a lot. Um, it is a five threat uh, acceleration. Uh, treat the printed text box of each location support and each persona support as if they were blank, except for traits. Uh, yeah. That's why that, you just play allies. Problem solved. I don't know that, what you're talking about. I leave this one out there. No, the, 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 <laughs> this one this one wrecked uh, Gwen's dad, that's for sure. I, I, I had to get rid of it real fast. Yeah, that... Five unscaled threat is a little rough in solo. Uh, historically speaking, yeah. historically speaking, things from the Spider-Man universe have wrecked Gwen's dad. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm holding it in. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to okay. say it. Let's move, move on before I say it. <laughs> so it's thematic. All right, let's go to Down to Earth. So Down to Earth is a really cool mod that's plagued by one card. So there's three weenie minions that, again, have this cool risk-reward mechanic. Zero scheme, one attack, three health. So you can probably ignore them. They do surge because they're pretty ignorable. And they have an alter ego action. Spend a physical resource to deal three damage to common criminal. If this minion is defeated this way, which it should be unless it has tough or some weird attachment, choose to either draw one card or remove three threat from a side scheme. That is so cool. I love yeah. things that make me flip to alter ego and... Not in a painful way. Yeah, if it didn't have Surge, this would be one of my favorite uh, minions. I think even with Surge, I don't even. That doesn't bother me. I mean, it's fine, but ah, uh, I think it, a it's card also that a... does one damage to you in Surges and then gives you an extra card later. Doesn't make me feel so bad. I don't know. Sorry, it's, I, I, it also is important to note that it doesn't require you to go to Alter Ego. Yes, that's really cool. I like that a lot. Cool decision point. Yeah, we've got an uh, obligation. Oh, were you gonna say something? No, 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 no. Yeah, oh. keep going. We've got an obligation, friends and family. Well, in hero form, increase the resource cost of each event you play by one. Alter ego action, discard one identity specific card from your hand to discard this obligation. Three boost icons. I don't like this card. It uh, makes me mad. Th this card can wreck you if you're not uh, a hero that likes to flip down generally. Um, both times I've ended up getting this, I was playing heroes that want to constantly flip. So it didn't hurt as much, but if you're not a person who likes to say like a Drax who doesn't want to flip down for, you know, lose all his counters, this is rough. <laughs> yeah. And increasing the cost of each event. When I play yeah. event heavy decks, I play real cheap events so I can play multiples per round. And this just kills that. I wish it was just the cost of the first event. Or something like that. Um, I also don't know thematically why having friends and family makes it more costly for you to do events, but that's a different question. No. Exert more effort to escape yes. them to go makes, do your hero things. That's right. It makes it harder for you to play Marvel Champions because your friends and family take all your time. You know what? Oh, that's one. Of, that's so true. <laughs> Volunteer work. <laughs> this card is a little rough, so. It's three per person threat threshold, um, an acceleration token. You cannot thwart this scheme. Alter ego action. Spend two resources of any type. Remove threat from this scheme equal to your alter ego's recovery. If your identity is a civilian, draw a card. Now, I was playing 
Gwen with this, so I was at least recuperating a little bit. But woof. Um, in an odd number player game, this card is even worse because you're going to get stuck with that one left over. Um, in an even number player, so two and four. I mean, four. It's it's horrible in four. Let's not let's not. Why, why do you that. get stuck with one left over in an odd number game? Like, because every um, so. Yeah, where's this it going? It depends on your recover, right? Right. It depends on your recover. Okay. Um, I, I guess every time I was doing it solo, I was getting stuck with like, um. Gwen's recovery oh, is three. Gwen's recovery yeah. is three, so it matches up. But like Miles is right. four, I think. Right. So and then, um, yeah, he would end up wasting a little bit, if you will. Yeah, but we we played we played in a three player game, and the math was bad, like really bad. And I can't remember who was the other two. I know one of them was War Machine, um, but the other one had a weird recovery, and they and they had a. Uh, a downtime on him. So he was able to get a lot off, but he couldn't clear it. We had this running joke. There's that new shield card that's Homeland Intervention. Exhaust up the three shield cards you control to choose a scheme and remove two threat from that scheme for each card exhausted. That's nope. not a thwart action. So it you can not. like... There's volunteer work that needs to be done, and you're like, I summoned the helicarrier and all these shield agents, and they're going to fix it with their guns. Yes. Um, and it's super not thematic, but I love the what-if Marvel scenario of it. Like, we're just picking up trash on the side of the road, and the helicarrier comes down and just starts disintegrating the trash with us. It's real fun. They, need to do it with their, they don't need to do it with their guns. They just come to the school, and they, <laughs> they explain what they do, and they no, lie about that's it. that's not how our group plays. <laughs> in, the, in that scenario, do all the shield troopers come out and go, hup, 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 as they're doing yes, it? Yes, exactly. Good. Perfect. That's I'm amazing. Uh, you know, whenever this is revealed, I start a stopwatch. So I have a counter here next to my play area, um, and I count it as volunteer work. So when I update my resume, I put in, you know, five hours of volunteer work. And I think that that's, that's fine, you know? That's a good point. If you're, like, a high schooler that's trying to get into NHS or something like that, Addercop will sign your form saying how much volunteer work you did. So yep. spend a lot of resources, and you can let it linger for a while to get extra credit. Yep. Tell me about the resources that you spent and uh, how many turns it took. And, um, and then uh, maybe, like, another two-pages essay. In the end, I definitely, I definitely do like the sites game. It's so different than other sites games we've seen. Um, it was kind of refreshing. All right, there's two more treacheries. We'll go through really quick. We have threat or menace. You may change forms if you are in hero form. Place two threat in the main scheme. If you are in alter ego form, you cannot change forms during your next turn, which is inevitably also going to place two threat in the main scheme. Um, but it's a free flip, which can be cool sometimes or helpful sometimes. So there's that. Yeah, that's okay. And they, the last one is loose ends. Um, one revealed, search the encounter deck, discard pile, set aside area, and removed from game area for a copy of your obligation, then reveal it. During that reveal, if you change to alter ego form, discard one random card from your hand. If your obligation was not revealed this way, this card gains surge. The only time I'm, I'm, I'm how is hoping, that possible? I'm hoping this card has surge. <laughs> how is is it? How is that possible? Encounter deck, discard pile, if, set aside. If it was area, like dealt to you face down and you had two cards, okay, you'd okay, search everywhere and not find it. So or like, that's if you all ripped the... it up and threw it out of your collection, another <laughs> useful tip from Kennedy Hawks. 
there you go. So that's that's the right way. That's a good way to do surge. Um, I hate this card. I didn't. Re- I didn't before this card. I didn't realize that remove from game was a game area. Like yep. it's the exile um, area. I and I I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm not the the designer of the game, and it makes it so much worse. I mean, because <laughs> if. If you've already taken care of it, you've already taken care of it. But, you know, I guess thematically it works because you still have the loose ends. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it was real painful as, Stace, you know, as Spider going to uh, have her thing come back after you thought, oh, I'm safe now. Let's load him up. Yeah, let's load him up. Yeah, don't, uh, don't do that if you're playing against Down to Earth. What I hate about this is, like, the people that have bad obligations for them that are really painful, they already have a bad time when they draw their obligation. So if they've suffered through getting rid of their obligation, like Americano said, to have it come back is just brutal. Like, making me want to rip the card up for brutal. It's like 90% of your another copy of your obligation because there's that small percentage that it could be as a you know dealt as a boost card, like you said. But it's. I mean, just I'd basically... say it's it's more than ninety nine percent chance that it's an obligation. You can cancel it with treachery tech, right? So that's cool. But it doesn't make me super happy. Still, like I just, this is the only way you can get your obligation into a game against Kang because you don't put your obligations in that game or the Wrecking Crew. So I guess you couldn't with the Wrecking Crew because you don't put mods in. But against Kang, there you go. So new combo wombo for the bad guys. Yeah, well, oh. when when I silked, I got rid of this card instead of Shadows of the Past. And, uh, the rest of the table was like, I I don't think that's the right move. And I'm like, no, it is the right move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm take a Shadows. <laughs> Before so, we leave down to Earth, uh, I just wanted to say that since you mentioned the shield thing, like I'm obsessed with non-thwart thwarting. That can yep. be <laughs> in what it does. Um, Venom's multi-gun can solve volunteer work. Um, See, of course, it's a it can. Thing, I'm telling you. Yeah, of course, it, it can. And they're like, "Hey, can you help clean up this trash in the park?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." And then he cocks Zap. his giant multi gun and just blows it away. Like, <laughs> can you can you walk my dog for me? Yeah, sure, I'll take care of that. Like with gun. Like, <laughs> you can actually, you can do it with cat in the tree, and the cat doesn't swing back at you. Um, <laughs> campaign side scheme. We'll talk about another day, but basically, it's a side scheme. When you thwart it, you take indirect damage to it back because this cat is like scratching you as you pull it out of a tree, or your venom, and you're like, "Can you get this cat out of the tree?" Sure, bang, and it falls out of the tree. Dude, um, w- when they do Deadpool, if if not every one of his cards are titled something like, "Can you walk my cat?" Sure, with my gun or something <laughs> like that, I'm gonna be severely disappointed. I'm- I'm writing the letters as we speak, Krim. Uh, there's there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer gets a gun and uses it for everything, like changing the channel and opening his beer, and that's what this feels like. And I'm all about it. Like just to be just to be real, like I'm all about if I can if I can just gun my way out of these problems. Well, I'm I'm glad we've we brought that to light. This is yeah, great. I'm so excited. <laughs> all right, the biggest disappointment of Down to Earth to me is when the set leaked like two weeks early, but in French. All the Google translators um, translated down to earth to feet in the streets. And I was like, that is such a cool mod name. Like, I love it. And then it came out and I was like, down to earth. I mean, I get it. It's a cool pun, but it's not, it's no feet in the streets. Feet in the streets. So, that's what we call it still at our table. That's a good, I'm now, yeah, this feet table is joined in the streets. 
All right. We should move on to the next villain, or are we, we talking about Down to Earth more? I, I, I will I will try to go quickly through Venom. Okay, okay. Yeah, we, we lingered on our favorite villain for long enough. Oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> uh, Venom! Uh, one scheme to uh, attack with a 17 hit points. He's actually quite beefy. Uh, comes into play with a toughness, and his force response is after you attack and, and damage Venom with a card you control... A card you control. Place one face-down boost card on your identity. And through the rest of his stages, it's very similar. Stage two, he gets steady. Um, he also grabs his tooth and nail side scheme. Um, stage three, he gets retaliate. He gets two face-down cards when he goes into there. And then uh, you have a chance to get two face-down boost cards. If uh, if it's the first attack this turn, so um, yeah, he, he ramps up pretty nicely. Um, he goes from a one two to a two two to a two three. Um, he he's rather tanky. Um, his big uh kind of environment thing is bell tower. Um, when so it's got a quiet and a ringing side. When there is at least three charm counters per character or per player, flip this card. When any amount of damage would be dealt to Venom by an attack, you may place that many charm counters here instead. Uh, the ringing side is increase all damage that Venom takes by one. If there are no charm counters here, flip the card. Uh, when Venom attacks, when Venom's attack would deal any amount of damage to an identity, remove that many charm counters from here for each counter removed to prevent one of that damage. Um, I'll be honest. Every game I played against Venom, we just left this thing alone. So really, if anybody, if anybody actually got to use it, I, I definitely would want to hear more about it. But we just Let's ignored it and, and and went face to knuckles on this guy. Okay, well, let's talk about his main scheme first because I think it ties into it. Yeah, so uh, his main scheme is two per player game one per player um it's a single scheme uh when venom activates against you move any face down boost cards from your identity to venom if the state if this stage is completed you lose the game um so, so yeah, that's so, what makes his his ability on him i mean right. obvious it, it maybe seems obvious you're going to put those face down boost cards yeah like you're gonna trigger them but that just clarifies it right yep so you know as he's attacking you, he's getting those extra boost cards that are in front of you. Um, defending is a little different because he's initiate. It's it's initiate, so or activates. So you will if you defend for somebody, they're gonna you're gonna use the boost cards that are in front of that person because that's the initial activation of the card. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll still have your boost cards for when he comes around and swings back at you. Um, but yeah, I just, the, the, the problem I had with bell tower is the word instead. So I'd rather just do the damage to venom 90% of the time than to say, Oh, I did five damage to venom. Now let's, let's put five counters on there. Oh, we didn't get enough counters to flip it. Okay. He flips over a card. Oh, remove all bell counters. I mean, yeah, just <laughs> was not worth it. I'm like, Nope. That five damage is going to your face every time now. 
So, so here's my question for you: Did you play with any? Have you played with any heroes that use a lot of ping damage, like ones and twos and threes? A little bit. Um, Gwen does a lot of ping damage with you know because if she attacks and you use ghost kick, and then I I use a lot of allies in Gwen. Um, so yeah, I, I was getting three or four boost cards here and there. Not every time, but here and there. And it it, it was rough. <laughs> but thankfully, Gwen is so damn darn tanky that uh, I could live through him. I'm talking to myself on mute over here. Um, so, <laughs> so you emphasize the <laughs> card you control. How do you interpret a card you control to determine whether you get a boost card or not? I hate this. Let me just be clear. I hate this. So, Kennedy Huck uh, knows it. A card you control would be any card that is on your playmat, pretty much. What about events? Are those cards you control? Yes, because you are playing them and then discarding them. That's the way I interpret it as well. I interpret it to mean basically everything you as a human brought to this game and potentially put into play or stole from another player's deck. That does damage. And I think they're trying to avoid like the word you in the rule book no longer means your allies and supports. Yeah. So they don't want people cheesing Venom with allies. Um, so all your allies are also going to create boost cards for you. Yep. Um, and, so you're playing and, the same way as me. Yeah. And, and Gamora hates him. Yep. You're right. <laughs> well, I don't think Gamora does. Because uh, she can... Her ping damage won't set it off. Because it's only when you... He takes a damage after you attack and damage Venom. So if you play a thwart event and then ping damage with Gamora, that's not going to give you a boost card. But when you play your attack event into Venom and then ping threat, you will get a boost card from the attack event. It's like sense. Miles. It's like Miles's ability, right? Um, yep. mm-hmm. His yeah, his Venom blast. Venom blast. So you can do your regular whatever your the, the upgrade is, and then it triggers Venom blast. It's a special. It's not an attack. Um. But Black Panther, his specials are a lot are of them. A couple of them are. Uh, two of them, of them are. are. Two of the four. Ooh. So, so what about shoulder forever, You might trigger two attacks and get two boost cards for it. What about shoulder cannons from uh, Rhodes? Um, it's not an attack. It doesn't oh, have the little attack nice. in parentheses after it. That's so. nice. <laughs> so I actually play him the opposite way and usually go the bell tower route because I can deal big swings of damage to the bell tower. Um, and usually what I'll do is if I have a big swing, sort of like you're saying, if I have something that's going to hit for five plus, I'll throw that at Venom's face because I don't want to waste that on chimes. But all my little onesie twosies attacks, I usually throw those on the bell tower because once you flip it, he takes one extra damage from every source, including those non-attack sources like Yarnbjorn and crazy stuff like that. Um, so like with Miles, I think Maricana was referencing this, web shot is deal four damage to an enemy and then trigger Venom Blast. I'll deal four to Venom and redirect it to the Chime Tower because then I don't get a boost card. And then I'll trigger Venom Blast to do two damage to Venom and stun him, which puts damage on Venom without giving me a boost. So I'll like put a little bit of damage onto him with all my pings, but build the Bell Tower up because there's only one card that fully clears the bell tower. Um, so if you're in multiplayer, there's one side scheme that can do it. Um, so it's not, it doesn't feel as bad, um, especially if you can like, as a justice player, you one way or another, that side scheme right away and get it into the discard pile. Or as a 
um, Gwen player, right? You save your pirouette and punch to cancel its when revealed because that's the part that removes all the chime counters. So you can kind of play around having to worry about flipping it. It does feel bad if you're in four player and you got to like 16 counters on the bell counter and someone mm -hmm. pulls that side scheme. But that's Boys. happened rarely yeah. to me compared to the amount of extra damage I get from all those little pings. Um, and it acts as like a life enabler, right? Because on the reverse side, now when Venom would damage you, instead it helps you trigger all your defend when not taking damage abilities, and it helps offset those boost cards you may have gotten. Yep. Um, so it makes it a really long game by flipping the Bell Tower, but a pretty safe game. So here's another villain that's like really good at risk-reward. You can play Crimson's Way, which... Very risky. He may disagree, but I yeah okay. He agrees. no no, it's, I, it's I, a super I, risky way. Yeah, or you can play the safe way, which I would call the Americano method, probably. So we we played two games Americano, right? And in the first game, I wanted to cheese it for you, and I was just like, I just kept getting boost cards. I got so mad at you. I was like, what you are were you getting doing? so mad. You're like, what are you doing? And then there was we almost won it, even though we forgot to shuffle in one of the mod sets and. We got almost to the end, and I had nine boost cards, and he attacked me, and I chumped with Maria Hill. And it was like eight boost cards in a row, and then the ninth one was like, and he gains overkill. And I was like, <laughs> I'm dead. Here's four enraged symbiotes. Good luck. <laughs> and was, uh, you uh, got blown up with a gang up or something. Now we're angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that it's really fun that you can have that risk-reward method. And like you kind of choose your level of risk, right? If you're a protection player and you're like, oh, well, I'm running Defiance and Preemptive Strike, so I kind of want three boost cards, then you can do a little bit of damage. And if you're more of a less risky player, or if you're like the supporting character on the team, you're like, I am damaging the Bell Tower because all you idiots are hitting Venom and it's making it very hard for me to keep you alive. Um, so it's, it's fun. Yeah, there, I like that. There's there's different routes to do it. Um, and if Crimson, if you've had success just pounding him in the face, yeah, and trying to and trying to rush him, that's awesome. I mean, because yeah. I, I, anyway, I, I think it's I, I I will agree with what Kennedy Hawk said that playing the bell tower route tends to lead to longer games because you're you're focusing on the bell tower first. And then you once you flip it and you're like, all right, I'm good. Um, I'm good hitting him for for however many I need to because I can defend or maybe block. And then you know maybe even if he gets some overkill, I I'm I'm still not going to take damage because of those chime counters. So it's yeah. it's like it's like Groot's force response. It's like a, a protection for him, like a, a shield. Mm -hmm. It's what it reminds me of a little bit, but. Yep. It feels better because it's an option for you to go and do it. Um, I, I like to do it, um, but it doesn't have to be done. What so was your I, thoughts? Oh, go for it. So I've, I've played him four times, uh, two solo and then two in a three-man group. And each time we, we've ignored the bell tower and have had success. So you can definitely rush him down or just go toe-to-toe -to, -toe to him. Um, I would love to try him using the bell tower. I'll probably do it in a solo game because it's a little easier to manage. Yeah. What were your thoughts, Adderkop? We haven't heard from you yet. Yeah. Um, I'm super hung up on uh, Now We're Angry. And uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, in, I'm sorry, in a good way. Like, I, I can't look past anything besides flipping a copy of Now We're Angry and it not having Surge. 
and being like, wait a minute, this is fanaticism. Where's the surge? The, the surge <laughs> is that it, it reveals itself when it's boosted. <laughs> sure. That is Doesn't... true. Yeah, that I has think... that that came back a couple times, right, Kennedy Hawk? That that yeah. So fanaticism um, is just two boost icons, so it doesn't come out on boost. Um, and here you actually have a way to remove it, right? You have to... A lot of the cards encourage you to interact with Venom's ability, which is the opposite of the Bell Tower right, uh, route, right. right? If he gets his side schemes out or his now we're angry, they all have ways for you to, like, now, you're, now we're angry, we should read it, is an attachment with two rage counters and uses. It gives him overkill and plus one attack with the response, forced response, after Venom takes any amount of damage from an attack, remove one of his counters. So you're going to have to hit him with two attacks and generate two extra boost cards, and then you can get rid of the attachment. Likewise, he's got side schemes that do the same thing. They have really high scheme counts um, that aren't player scaling. But anytime he takes damage from an attack, you remove an equal amount of threat from here. So you're able to remove threat by attacking into his face. So it's encouraging you to get those extra boost cards, which I think is a, a cool way to balance people that are trying to just take the quote unquote safe route. And it lets you it gives you the choice though, right? That's that for yeah. me is the huge thing with this scenario is like lashing out what you the side scheme response after Venom takes any amount of damage from an attack, remove an equal amount of threat here. You don't have to. You can just thwart it. Uh, if you're playing with Hulk or or like Drax or somebody that has a huge attack, you'll want to do that. You'll want to, you'll probably want to remove the threat um, by by dealing doing an attack to him. But like now, we're angry is my favorite card in the deck because yeah, yeah I like to use I like to go the the bell tower route, but he's forcing me to attack him to get rid of this plus one attack and overkill, which in turn deals me you know these encounter are these boost cards, which yeah it, 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 it's it's another very well designed scenario just like sandman where the the theme and the mechanic like the the multiple mechanics mesh well together and i think thematically too with the tower although crimson i'm sa i'm sorry and sad that you didn't that you kind of just ignored it i feel like it works thematically I'm, I'm sure it does um now i've been playing now we're angry as if you flip it over as a boost card you reveal it and its effect becomes is is taken into effect during that attack. During that attack. Correct. Yep. That's yeah. right. Okay. That's how that's how I'd been playing it. It just felt the worst way, so it felt the right way. <laughs> so so it's like it's like it has a one boost icon on it, essentially. And but overkill. So it, it really works to a chump block, right? So right. Yep. which is it why is you which is why you Miles died. Yes. I think it was a different overkill adder. Or maybe it was the one that added well, we'll get there. What I was just gonna mention is that um, there are a lot of cards in Venom's kit, but only one of those cards actually doesn't have a boost ability. So target acquired, super strong against Venom. Because, yeah, like you just said, those two now we're angries basically become plus one boost icon and an overkill. So if you chump with Maria and he's got five boosts, you're probably dead. There's another one that also the boost adds piercing. So... There's four boosts that remove chime counters, so there's a ton of ways for those boosts to mess with you. I've even had one where I chumped blocked with like a tough Maria, and between the nine boost cards he had, because I was playing the Crimson, sort of rush him down way, he gained piercing and overkill and like seven boost icons and killed me because he pierced through my toughness, killed my ally, and then overkilled onto my face, um, which was real painful. 
So, which which is yeah. a very real possibility when you get multiple boost cards from dealing doing attacks to him. Yes. Because I mean, it's just that's the nature of the set, which is I don't think is a bad thing. You just have to be aware of it, or you should be aware of, aware of it if you if you're going to be dealing yourself multiple boost cards. And defensive cards that prevent all damage are incredibly useful against him. Yes, Captain America's shield. Yeah, really good. Um, he does have one required mod set, and then he uses um, feet in the streets. We're going to call it. No, <laughs> what's the real name? Um, down, to down to Earth. Earth. So I think we should go through his required mod set because it's hard to evaluate him as a villain without talking about the set you have to include. Okay. No, no, yeah. And it's actually a really good set. Um, yeah, you, do you want to go over it? Yeah, so it, it, it does come with three enraged symbiotes, which we've seen before. It's, it's called symbiotic strength. <laughs> they're, they're, they're amazing. Um, especially for those heroes that love getting minions on them. Um, he's got improvised weapons, which gives him, uh, I, I forget the Amplify. name of it, Amplify, Amplify. Um, but you can get rid of it by discarding some resources of each type. He's got violent tendencies, which you attach to him, and then after he takes any amount of damage from an attack, give the attached villain one face down boost card. If the attack did three or more damage to the attached, attached villain, discard this card. So it kind of ops his current ability. Um, he's I got his own. Really dislike this card, violent tendencies, because his ability places the boost card on your identity, mm -hmm. and then or this places the boost card on the, villain. on the villain. Yeah, so it could pass it to another player, and then like I've had four player games where we all have boost cards in our area, and there's another boost card by the villain from violent tendencies, and then someone decks out, and all of a sudden we have like six piles of face down <laughs> encounter cards, and we're like, whose boosts were what, and what are my treachery cards? So I, I wish, I mean, I understand that it's like in a mod set, so it could be played with not Venom, yeah. but in Venom's set, it adds like another stack of face down boost cards, which can be annoying. Yep. He also has his own version of webbed up. So attached to your identity, when your hero would attack, discard webbed up instead, then you are stunned. Um, it has a boost skill, which is you are stunned. If you're already stunned, take two damage. The, the webbed up part sucks, but, you know, hey, you know, we've done it to, to other people. It's, it's okay for us to get webbed up <laughs> once in a while. But that boost sucks <laughs> when you're flipping over like four cards and all of a sudden you're stunned afterwards. Uh, it, it, that, that boost is rough. And then he's got two of the swinging assaults, which is pretty much assault. So uh, if you're an alter ego, change to hero form, the villain attacks you. When revealed in hero form, the villain attacks you, the, the villain gains one additional boost card. So it is... It's, it's an interesting card because it, it can flip you out of alter ego. Which is... Uh, pretty sick yeah pretty pretty bad uh yeah. across the board right like there's not the scenarios where you're like oh yeah this is fine yeah yeah no that's, usually it's that bad card, <laughs> that card sucks swinging assault <laughs> yeah i and hate then, that card actually unstable substance that's not the card you said you hated it was it kennedy hawk that's not which one swinging assault the one um, where in alter when you're an alter ego, you have to change the hero form and then he. Oh attacks. yeah, I yeah. I dislike this card a lot. <laughs> that, that card that card is <sighs> that is a it's, that is a day runer right there. 
Um, I we mean, called it a time walk when it would happen because most of the time the person was already tapped for something else and then they flipped down into alter ego. So that way when they would, un- you know, they would untap and then heal up and then all of a sudden, oh, look, they're back in hero form and they didn't get a chance to heal up. And they're like, ah, I got to flip back down now. I, so if you I survive, if you're, if they, you have yeah, to yeah, survive. Exactly. <laughs> like they, they need to challenge the way Marvel champions players play. Right. And galaxy's most wanted was all about that. And maybe tuned a little bit too far up the dial. And this is a card that feels like it's almost a galaxy's most wanted card to me because alter ego form is a place that you should feel somewhat safe. And I get it. Adderkop's going to tell me this is very on theme for Spider-Man comics where his alter ego identity seems like it's even more dangerous than being in Spider-Man form. Um, but with swinging assault, I feel like you really need to change the way you go to alter ego. A lot of times you go to alter ego for an extra card or you do your damage. You go to alter ego and you plan to recover the next turn. Like Crimson said here, you, when you go to alter ego against venom, you need to recover immediately yep. because if you draw this and you're at one hit point, if you don't have an ally up or if you, if everybody else is exhausted, you, you just died from a treachery card. Not and it's, it's horrible. Like nothing is worse than saying like, I did everything right. And then I went back to, we call it baby form. We don't call it alter ego form, but I went back to bed and then I got smashed in the face because of a swinging assault. Like I, I understand the ability behind it. If this said the villain attacks you with no boost, extra boost cards, like with just the ones you already had on your identity, I wouldn't feel so bad because he would have already used those for his scheme activation. And then he'd be coming at you with no boost cards unless he gained additional ones through some like combo chain. But all the other cards that sort of attack you when you're an alter ego, sans Ronin, um, they don't get a boost card. So when you're attacked in alter ego, my strong opinion is you shouldn't get a boost card because it can just make for a very negative play experience. So I dislike swinging assault. It basically makes me not flip down until I know where that card is. Um, and there's two of them in this mod set. And there's two of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, swinging assault is very... NPE, you know, uh, a bad new player experience card. You might uh, say that it's swingy. Yeah. Oh, oh man, no. you no. and Adderkop. I <laughs> might let's say, just it's say swingy. <laughs> you're not going to escape this assault. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. But, so, so it's just a matter of understanding that it's there. I mean, realistically, it's a matter of understanding it's there and and playing a little bit different, like you said, Kennedy. Being aware. You have to, if you know it's not in the discard pile, you know you have 10 cards left in the deck, maybe don't attack them this turn. Maybe flip down first and recover before, you know. Anyway. Yep. And then with this card. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, with our group, when we play this card, a lot of times I'll, like, because uh, we play at this giant table, so I'll be, like, revealing the cards for people, and if it's a pair, I'll pass it to them or I'll read the card to them. So when I flip this card up, I throw it at my friend, and I always tell him, don't you ever learn, loser? Because the flavor text is Venom taunting you for going to alter ego form. Because every time this has been drawn in our playgroup, I swear, we have been in alter ego form. (laughs) And I just throw it to somebody and read the flavor text to them, and they get mad. Don't you ever, don't you losers ever learn? That's so great. Uh, His last card is Unstable Sentence. Uh, It's got Surge, so it already sucks. Uh, when revealed, give the venom or give the villain a face down boost card. That, that's honestly not too bad. The search sucks, uh, but it's got a boost icon. If it was boosted, if this activation is an attack, this card gets plus two boost icons, 
and the attack gains overkill. This one is rough <laughs> in the Venom deck. <laughs> so, so that, I there's I, the third overkill right there. Yep. No, there it is. Yeah, yeah. So, I if this card didn't have surge, I'd be one hundred percent okay with this card. Yep. Same here. I don't think it needed. I don't think it needed surge in my opinion because I think it's it is um, punishing enough with the villain getting a face down boost card, especially in Venom. Um. But then really, boost, I don't I mind so. the surge on this card at all. Like I feel like a lot of times in Arkham and in this game, appropriately in my opinion, I think surge is put onto cards where when nothing goes off, it surges, yep. or when something that's minor goes off or something that's delayed goes off, it surges. Um, and I think it can really stink if this surges into like a swinging assault. Maybe you're in alter ego form and you draw this, and then you draw swinging assault. Yeah, your life sucks. But you have two, like, then you're gonna have two. The two boost, requiring two. like a two card combo from a randomized deck that no one has control over, right? Sure. So it's, it's very. I wouldn't say but, it's uncommon, but it's. I wouldn't say it's rare, but it's probably I mean, uncommon. Right? But the fact that this comes in with swinging assault, that that combo is gonna happen for people, right? Yeah. It is gonna happen, right? So it does create get, this so you, this swingy experience where you have. Hey. Very minimal impact and very maximum impact from this card. And I'm always going to be on the stance that Surge should only be on a card if that card does nothing. <laughs> Even if it does something mild, I still don't think it should get Surge. Maybe so give did it, you dislike give it some Surge help. on the spells in Ebony Maw that take like four turns before they explode? Yeah. I feel I, like I thought you said you liked that one for some reason because you were like, well, you have all this time to like prepare for it. And here it could be the same thing. It's just it's not always the same thing. And the times when it's not and it surges into an extra boost card and then you get hit, it stinks. But my argument would be with Venom, you should already be planning for there constantly being extra boost cards. So like, oh, yeah. if, if one extra boost card makes or breaks your game, then you are probably playing against Venom wrong. Well, yeah, maybe, but, but maybe not my, my tough but, teacher gloves. No, <laughs> man, maybe, but one extra boost card, still one extra boost card. So yeah, I, you know, I would maybe, say maybe, maybe I planned for taking for for punching him once because I can mm -hmm. handle one one boost one extra boost card. I, I don't know. I mean, but I definitely say that this this card's power is in its boost, not in its uh, surge and give it an extra boost card. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's what I've been thinking I'm about, actually. I'm way scarier of seeing this as a boost yes. than as a card with Surge that gives a boost card. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a treachery in Lord of the Rings, and it's, uh, it's when revealed effect is so negligible. It's like, remove two progress uh, from the current uh, quest, which yeah. is like, which if you're, not, if you're not familiar with Lord of the Rings, it's the equivalent is if you revealed a treachery that just said, add that's two right. threat. Like yeah. it's it's really inconsequential, but the boost absolutely breaks your back. And I think that was a design space that obviously they tried with Lord of the, with the Lord of the Rings. And maybe like they discard your hand or something. <laughs> it was it was like uh, there's there's a couple that I'm I'm probably mixing up, and I'm sure one of our listeners uh, might correct us um, or correct me in the comments or something like that, which is fine because I I can't remember right now. Um, but I think it's the one that it's when revealed says exhaust all of your allies or exhaust all characters you control oh, that are unexhausted. I know what card you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that, that'll absolutely hammer you to the point where if you play the quest without a way to cancel that, you're basically asking for the deck to, um, end the game a little early for you. Yeah. So, I think in an ideal world, the when revealed effect and the boost card would be somewhat equivalent. So cards that have really hard when revealed abilities, 
or really hard like really hard minions but also have really high boost icon counts because then the game feels a little homogenized and like when you see hard cards they're always hard regardless of where they come up but obviously if they do that with like every card ever it becomes really i don't want to say boring but like repetitive you're like hard card easy card hard card easy card so they have yeah. to mix it up every once in a while and i thought this was a pretty good way to mix it up like this can because of the surge still be a really nasty encounter card but it's certainly like a killer boost card and another reason to run target acquired against Venom. One, you'll never regret it one thing that i i do like with this card and i think we've seen these before where if this activation is an attack it gets plus two boost icons mm-hmm. so for for yeah. villains that are like Maybe not heavy on on scheming. They're they're more of like brutish or attacking and stuff. I think that this type of boost ability is really fun and thematic. And it doesn't break your back in solo if you draw in advance and this is your boost, which is always a pain, right? If this was just a two boost icon card, right? And the boost ability said this attack gains overkill. You draw that and then advance, and you're having a bad day, right? Um, you know where we saw that ability last or first. Where? Galaxy's Most Wanted. Aren't mm. you so proud? You just I'm had so, a good memory of Galaxy's Most Wanted. Memory. I'm so proud. Wow. Oh, that, you know what? You what? just blew my mind. Busted. You, you know what? We talk about how bad Galaxy's Most Wanted is a lot. That doesn't mean that this uh, box doesn't have something almost as egregious, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a moment. Oh, man. Well, what? before we do that... We gotta grade, uh, right? We gotta, we gotta grade this scenario. A. Venom. A. I agree. Venom is a solid A. He is an oh. awesome brawler. I love the risk-reward. Everything about Venom I love. He's almost S for me. I, I enjoy playing him that much. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Uh, it's a character that people want to be good, to be fun, to be engaging. They want to be able to show their friends Venom, and I don't think that you have any caveat to showing people Venom. And the art, holy... I'm not even an art guy, and I'm drooling over this art. I love Venom. I love Venom's art. Just in general, I like Venom's art in comic books. Uh, Venom's always been one of my favorite villains. And, oh, it's just beautiful. Every, just all of it is beautiful. Um, I'll give it an A, almost an A+. And the reason is because um, Villain is very... Or Venom is very, a very iconic character, right? Like, yeah. maybe, maybe not. No, no, or maybe more is. so. Maybe more so than Loki. But I was uh-huh. very disappointed. I expressed my disappointment in the with the the fact that Loki had the the Infinity Gauntlet, or you know, <laughs> built in, right? Yep. Um, this modular set that's built in obviously works with Venom, and I think that's the right way to do it. Because you can throw it in other sets, but it it's not like a weird random thing that like that doesn't fit with the scenario and it thematically. Well, so we'll I think see it's... what you think about that next week. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think Venom but... is a. It, it, I won't tell you if I like Venom or Sand Sandman more, but I think he's still an A. I like Venom more. Well. We're batting really high on villains so oh, far in this box. We were. And now we're going to villain number three. We're going to swing and a miss here. What? <laughs> I we'll see. So oh, villain number you three. You let me know is, when you want the rant to come. <laughs> I'm just going to mute Crimson right now. We're not going to have him talk anymore. <laughs> it is Mysterio. So Mysterio, the master of illusion, or the the criminal traded character of illusion, as Adder Cop would very factually tell me, 
has the ability Seeds of Fear on his level 1 side that has 2 scheme and 1 attack. Force response. After you resolve a boost card during Mysterio's activation, place that card in your discard pile if it has the Illusion trait. On his level 2 side, he's 2 scheme, 2 attack. When revealed in player order, shuffle the top card of the encounter deck into each player's deck. Boo. Shuffling. Extra shuffling is always bad. Creeping Fear is his ability. Forced response. After you resolve a boost card during Mysterio's activation, place that card on the bottom of your deck if it has the illusion trait. And then Mysterio 3 has, when revealed, discard the top five cards of each player's deck and Bound by Fear. Forced response. After you resolve a boost card during Mysterio's activation, place that card on the top of your deck if it has the illusion trait. So this is one thing that I actually really like. Um, with Sandman, right, the first two levels had the same ability, and then the third one changed. And that was nice for an introductory villain, because mm -hmm. when you're teaching someone the game on standard, the villain's ability doesn't change between stages. But now Mysterio, we're halfway through the box, so at each level he changes. First, he puts something in your discard pile, so you might have a long time before you have to deal with it. In his second stage, he puts it on the bottom of your deck, so you still have this delayed effect. In the third stage, he puts it on top of your deck, and you're certainly going to be upset about it. I so, have a question for you. Yeah. So is, is this the first time we've seen a villain with three, three stages and the second stage has more hit points than the third stage? Yes. So it's I 15, so. 17, then 16. It's the first one I can remember. Anyway, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why that it's like that, but anyway, I just noticed that. I, I think it's because, well, it's because that ability creeps up. Um, so creeping fear places it on the bottom of your deck. So his ability is going to have a super delayed effect, but bound by fear puts it on top of your deck. So they could, they could account for that with stats or with health. And here they've chosen to do it with health. Cause the stats are the same. Yeah. Cause the stats are the same. So the encounter cards go into your deck, which is a new thing. So we should talk about that. His main scheme maze of mirrors starts by putting a shifting apparition in play engaged with you. And then on the other side, it has a forced interrupt. When you withdraw or discard an encounter card from your deck, deal it to yourself as a face-down encounter card, arrow, draw one card. So basically, every time you're drawing cards from your deck, whether it's drawing your hand or whenever, you're going to want to look at what type of card is on top of your deck. If it's an encounter card, without even looking at it, you're supposed to deal it to yourself and then draw a card to replace it. And if something tells you to like discard the top five cards of your deck, like Mysterio's ability does, any... Mysterio cards are going to get dealt to you as encounter cards. Um, and that's actually a really big boon. If he discards one of his cards from the top of your deck, it's dealt to you as an encounter card, but you still get a bonus card to help you deal with that pain he's going to deliver to you. It's important. So you can see... Oh, yeah, go. I, I was just saying, it's not any Mysterio cards. It's Mysterio any, cards. Any that, encounter cards. Yeah. That, but but the, oh. ones that, the ones that go to your deck are the ones that have the illusion trait, because there are a couple cards that don't have the illusion trait. Well, not exactly. So from his ability, any cards that right. get boosted okay, yes. are illusions. Yes, from, his, from his ability. But like his level 2 when revealed is just shuffle the top card right. of the encounter deck into each player's deck. So you can still end up with minions and all sorts of things like put into your illusion of your deck. Yes. Um, and basically every time you have to deal with one of those illusions or whatever else might be there, you're given a card to sort of compensate for it. Now when you're drawing that card anyway... You're not gaining any net advantage, but when he's discarding things, you are. So he's got two main schemes. Um, one starts at two per player, and it pops at eight per player. The second one starts at three per player and pops at nine. 
And it's the same ability on both of them. When you would draw or discard an encounter card from your deck, deal to yourself as a face-down encounter card and draw a card. And between the two stages in player order, you're going to shuffle the top two cards of the encounter deck into each player's deck. So if you let it get to that second stage, mm-hmm. things start to snowball a little bit out of control. And I'll tell you, you know the, you know the card that I'm talking about. Getting that, getting that second stage or having the second stage of the villain add cards to your deck, a specific card is very annoying. It's true. So there's a lot of cards in his kit. Actually, every card in his kit, um, except four, have the illusion keyword. So most of the cards in his kit have that illusion keyword and will shuffle themselves into their deck, and some of the cards in the mod sets that he includes in his scenario. So one of his hooks is that you're going to have a ton of encounter cards out there. The nice thing is most of the cards that are illusion cards are ones that don't impact the board greatly. Like the Shifting Apparition is a one scheme, one attack, one health minion with guard. So very easy to deal with. Now he's got a when defeated effect that's really annoying, but at the same time it's something that doesn't have a huge board presence. So having to deal with extra encounter cards, at least to me, doesn't make me feel as bad. Because four small impactful encounter cards might still be easier to deal with than one advance. Now, the problem is you're still dealt an encounter card during the villain phase. And when you get to turns where you have four small encounter cards and an advance at the end, that can be like really swingy. Um, but overall, that's sort of what his his main shtick is, is putting cards into your deck. And it's important to note you're not supposed to know what encounter card you're dealing to yourself when you take it from the top of your deck. Um, so some cards will shuffle themselves into your deck with their abilities, but some will just shuffle the top card of your deck in. So if you have characters that can look at the top card of your deck, um, like Spider-Woman could look at the top card of her deck, if there's an encounter card there, you get some extra knowledge and say, hey, I know what encounter one of the encounter cards I'm going to have to deal with. And obligatory plug for Hawkeye, with your quiver, you look at the top five cards of your deck, choose an arrow, and then shuffle them back in. So you if you shuffle. can see there's... You do shuffle. Do you? Oh, we got it. It got errata. Yeah. yeah, you shuffle now. So we're going to take advantage of it in the one time it gives us an advantage. <laughs> you can you can look into your deck, even if you don't find an arrow, if you find four encounter cards, you now have knowledge of what four encounter cards are missing from the encounter deck and which ones are like in your deck. So when they come up, you know, well, I better play an ally because I'm about to get an encounter card. Um, so that's one of the little ways you can play around him. But that's Mysterio. And I know everyone on... The show has strong feelings about Mysterio. So we'll let Crimson talk first, and then we'll go around the table. I hate this guy. I utterly, vitriolally hate this guy. I have played him four times. The first three times, I have lost. The first time was very close. I, I lost two in advance. Okay, I can accept that. The, the next two times, wasn't even close. I mean, I don't even think I did three damage to him. Like, he just straight rolled me. And he is so snowbally and so unfun to play against that I'd rather beat my head against Ronan. I hate wow, this okay. guy. The only way wow. I was able to beat him was bring an S-tier deck, which was Doctor Strange. That Leadership. was the only way I was able to beat him. And he, I, I hate him. I hate Fearmonger. That card can be burned in all existence, I hate that card to the ends of the earth. So Fearmonger is a treachery that has Surge, Crimson's favorite keyword. 
And it says, when revealed, discard your hand and draw up to your hand size. So you're going to discard and then draw a bunch of cards. But if there were more of these Mysterio illusions in the top of your deck, as you draw them, they're going to deal themselves to you. And like it just it snowballs into an unfun experience sometimes. I haven't had a bad experience with Mysterio yet, but I could see how one could exist. And he was the one I was most worried about when they previewed the box. When I saw the fact that like you could, in theory, end up with like 30 encounter cards in front of you if all of them got into your deck. I was like, this terrifies me. This gives me the Nebula heebie-jeebies, and I don't like it. I hated it. And I'm a person who... I very much plan out my turn, my 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 teammates' turn, my next turn, my teammates' next turn. Like I I play this game like chess. That's how I play card games. I plan out two or three turns ahead. Now when you mongering, discard your hand, <laughs> I hate this card so much. I actually like this card. I think it's cool. No, I utterly <laughs> despise everything on this card. I I do not like this card i would not eat green eggs and ham with it anywhere i hey, we hate can't, we actually card. can't legally say that oh yeah. you have to you, you'll, you'll have <laughs> to lawyers are coming now. he's gotten he's gotten so angry he's he's branched into limerick <laughs> and, and th- there's not and it's not it's it's, it's not even i mean it's, it's the worst card in his kit but there's still even one just as bad which is the homunculus uh stupid plus three attack oh my god the, oh yeah, Humong- humongous hallucina- hallucination. Yeah. Oh, and, and and on top of this, he gets paired. So you have to use the personal nightmare, which this whole thing is my personal nightmare. To be honest. Well, let but me that, read. Let me that let me comes read with a side pers- scene that sucks. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> go, so go ahead. Pers- personal nightmare comes with a bunch of stuff with it. It comes with a bunch of more illusion traded cards. So there's a <laughs> attachment. Induced panic, attached to your identity. You cannot trigger abilities on your hero's printed text box. You have to jump to Alter Ego to get rid of it, so we know that's always a pain in the butt. It's got two copies of Evil Doppelganger, which has a scary version of Ms. Marvel. One scheme, one attack, five health minion, and the static text, Evil Doppelganger gains plus X scheme, plus X attack, where X is equal to the number of identity-specific cards in the engaged player's hand, which I think is actually a really cool ability to deal with what's in your hand to determine mm. like what the bad guy's doing. So I like that. I wish you didn't that have five health. Has a boost ability that's a real pain in the butt for Mysterio that you draw three cards and then discard three random cards from your hand. Random. So you might get random. more discard three random cards from your hand. Is that what I said? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah we're no, just, no, he okay. was emphasizing ran- we were both emphasizing random. <laughs> yeah, you're hitting on all the things I, I absolutely love. <laughs> I mean, it's a card game. There has to be randomness in it. It has a really cool, in my opinion, side scheme, Fool's Paradise. Is this the one you no. hate? No, okay. this is garbage. This has lost me at least two of the games. Oh, you don't like Fool's Paradise. Okay. Oh, this is horrible. This is a horrible card. Horrible. Card. But you. But okay. So it it's it's a victory card. So if you're playing the campaign, that helps. In each yeah, identity, it's a victory pl- card. Yeah. Go plus for it. two hand size, and then it has three icons on it, right? Acceleration icon, crisis icon, and hazard icon, and six per player threat. So twenty four in our four player games. So, yeah. So don't you play Justice Crimson? Can't you take care of this very easily? Yeah. This should be like exactly what you want. You got two extra cards. You can deal with that. Not in three-player games, I can't. This card is so cool. <laughs> this card is so cool. 
I think the main problem with this card is you don't get the cards right away, right? So it sits out there on the board, and now you have to let it sit there with the crisis icon for everybody to gain the two cards. If it also had a when revealed, each player draws two cards, it would feel a lot better. Now, hold on. It feels good. I still think it's a super cool card. It's like one of my favorite cards in the box. When you play Ghost Spider and you you trigger your ticket to the multiverse, this card's great to be out. Yeah. Why not just why not just flip this card first, right? Reveal it first, and then reveal Fearmonger. You're in business. Look at that. See? See, that's that's creative problem solving. You know what's even better? If you're a protection player and you've emptied your hand, and then you reveal Fearmonger and dropped your hand size when your hand was empty, but you've also revealed this, so you've spent your whole hand and then you draw seven more cards, you're like, man, it feels good so, to play green cards today. So <laughs> I will say, I will say. This scenario is probably, uh, no, actually, I think this scenario is pretty good for protection because of Mm -hmm. that. Because you're getting to, when you draw, you're getting to, or when you discard a card. Hold on, let me let me make sure I'm I'm explaining this right with the with his ability. Um, when you when you draw or discard an encounter card from your deck, so. I can't. I can't think right now. I, I'm okay. just getting. I'm getting over uh, Crimson's hatred. Um, but I think there's a lot of syner- not synergies, but some boons to protection that protection players don't usually get, like that. Um, okay. You know, I, I just fearmonger. You get to discard your hand if you. You know how many times? Well, I actually, yeah, Crimson plays protection sometimes. How many times you you play protection and you've. You've defended and you're down to like three cards in hand, or or fewer, right? And you're like, now you get now you get fearmonger as the treachery, so now you get to discard those three and then draw up to your five hand size. Yeah, no, that 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 sounds great until you realize that you know four of those cards are going in front of you as encounter cards next turn. <laughs> I, I'm not disagreeing but you with draw you cards on the place them, don't you? You like, you do. You it doesn't matter. I still don't no, want four you... encounter cards. Right now, if it if you didn't draw cards to replace them, this game would this one would oh. be it would be ridiculous. But I get uh, what you're saying, Crimson, in that you still get here. them put out in front of you, which is yeah. which is bad. But you get to replace your hand, so you still my, get to do more fun things. My opinion is that encounter cards have some sort of inherent value to them. So if if a normal encounter card has a difficulty value of five, and I could get a difficulty five encounter card, or I could get three difficulty two encounter cards. Yeah, that makes it a six, so it's a little bit harder, but it's not like astronomically harder. And I feel like a lot of his cards don't have major effects, but they all do have the ability, like Crimson mentioned, to snowball into something disastrous. And And I don't um, know if I've just been lucky that like in the 10 games I've played, that hasn't happened. Have you you had like a bunch of encounter cards to like sit in one spot in your deck? Not like not. So we had that shuffled. happen. You and I, when we were playing, there was a turn where I had like seven encounter cards, and you had two going into the villain phase, and you were like, "We are so doomed," and you were making fun of me, give me a hard time for having my seven encounter cards, and I revealed them all, and we survived it, and then you revealed them, you revealed two of them, and then I think you drew the fearmonger card, and it gave you like four more, and you ended up revealing like nine encounter cards. And I was like, look at you with your two encounter cards complaining about my seven. But we still won that game at the end. I mean, it was a we, real tense moment where we did, we, emotions we still ran did. high. 
but, uh, and, but we, and ran. Put, we won. We had I'll some put, words with each other. I'll put an asterisk that I could have been just every time extremely unlucky when playing him. I just, I was so pissed off that I had to actually bust out an S tier deck to take on this stupid guy in standard mode. I, he was so frustrating for me to play against and so snowballing that it just, no, no. no. Have you played, you played him twice solo? I played him four, yep, I played him four times. Did you ever get Deja Vu? Oh yeah. So that one's a peril card, and it says when I, feel like I remember choose, that card. Choose to either take one damage or place one threat on the main scheme. So taking one damage or placing one threat on the main scheme is not a big deal, but you shuffle Deja Vu into any player's deck. Yeah, most of the time it, I shuffle it into my um, It into never my, leaves. My, my teammate, teammate's deck. <laughs> you heard about it to your opponent's deck? Yeah, <laughs> I shuffle it into my teammate's deck. It, it never leaves. play with our group when I'm putting acceleration tokens down with peril. It feels that way. because <laughs> is, Am I under? Am I understanding this card correctly? Yeah. It can never leave a the player's decks after it comes out. Correct. It just keeps coming back. But it's so... It, like, no, it's no, one thread. It's not no, a big deal. You could cancel... Yeah. Yield effect, right? Okay. Okay. And that would get it out. So then it would get discarded to go back to Mysterio's deck. Right. Just no. I I understand. I understand that it's not like super crazy because you're only taking one damage or placing one threat on the main scheme, but you have to either cancel it, cancel the one revealed effects, or it's gonna stick stick with you. And if you're playing solo, like true solo, if you only have a deck of ten cards or 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 like a small, you got deck both left, of them in there. Yeah, you're you're, <laughs> yeah, okay. You're see it often. Right. Yeah. So in multiplayer, you always want to shuffle this into like the largest deck size because yeah. if someone just reshuffled their deck and they've got a big forty-two card deck sitting there, shuffle deja vu into it because then mm-hmm. it's not it's it might not come up right away. It still might be the next card because that's how random number generators work. But the chances of that are lower than it being not the first card, right? So, are you saying Kennedy Hawk with these with his like scenario um, cards that they're if you're looking at scenario cards or, or encounter cards, I should say, at a, at a at an average value of five, are you saying a lot of his cards are lower value because you're you're getting a lot of them dealt to you through drawing them? I think the cards in his specific Mysterio encounter are, but I don't feel like the recommended modular sets and the standard set have that decreased value. And since he doesn't only shuffle in illusion cards, there's chances that like when he shuffles those top two cards of your deck into your deck, if he shuffles two advances into your deck, you're going to have a real bad day one turn. Um, so the fact that he can shuffle anything in, I can totally see it being a problem. We've had things that weren't from his set or weren't illusions shuffled in, and they haven't killed us. Because of the shifting um, app apparitions and his, uh, and his, tier, two his ability. tier 2 ability or his scheme flip ability. Um, so that, yeah. that, that, uh, that, the shifting apparition where you're, you're getting dealt or discarding, what, what, how does it say? It says, if this, if this, when defeated, if this minion was defeated with excess damage, and it only has one hit point. The defeating player shuffles the top card of the encounter deck into their right, deck. Right, So, so that's adding um, a lot of sw- uh, actually a lot of swinginess potentially to the game, right? Because but I think it's it's another thing where you can build for it, right? So when you're playing Mysterio, you need to make sure you have consistent 
one damage value somethings, whether that's yeah, allies, allies or, or Squirrel Girl or yeah. Get Over Here that's, or whatever. Well, it's a good tip. Right, but when you get to the second stage, like at the beginning of the game, when revealed mm-hmm. in, on his player card, all right, his mm-hmm. the villain card, in player order, shuffle the top card of the encounter deck into each player's deck. So his the force response on his attack is what I was referring to earlier, which only illusion cards are going to go into your deck. Yep. With the force response. But his one revealed on a stage two, his one his revealed also, yeah. um, on the... On, on his uh, stage two. On his uh, stage three, and the side 2A, right? You're getting... Yep. Uh, so, so, stage two and 2A, not his stage three. So it's only two of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, his yeah, edge yeah. of the reality main scheme also shuffles too. Yeah, that's that 2A. Yep. So that's that is because you're getting potentially non-illusion cards, and and you, I guess what I'm saying is your thought is illusion cards generally, at least in his scenario, are on the lower power level. I think so. But um, then you could also be getting, like you said, two advances potentially with those. There's there's definitely the chance to have bad things happen. And and I get it. It's a card game, so there is there is RNG, a random number generator, right? Um, it's like a design space I'm glad they pushed. Like, I think that this is... I think it's super thematic. Yeah, I'm glad they, they pushed it, too, so that way they can never do it again. <laughs> I hope they do it again. I thought... I mean, you fun. you will have some turns that feel like heroic, right? Yeah, totally. Or but, you'll have three games that feel but, like you just got smashed. <laughs> but you don't have every turn that necessarily that feels like you're playing on heroic. No. To me, this feels completely different than Nebula or Ronin, where like every card just has surge and is like an assault or an advance. Those feel horrible compared to right. this. Th- this does not have the consistent pain of those. It has the oh, I'm doing good, huh? Lie, you know. Yes. It has the <laughs> snowball. It has I, the out of nowhere. I, I would <laughs> say Mysterio rather than snowball. I would say Mysterio has spikes. So depending on yes how good you are at shuffling and clump shuffling, I guess, or how random your random number generator is, you could have like the entire game just sort of feel like a standard game with a couple little like minor upticks in difficulty. It's just like, oh, I draw shadows of the past more frequently. Or you could have a game that feels like, why does every card in the world surge? Because I've drawn cards in the wrong combination. Um, and it's nothing you did wrong to cause that spike. But what I would say is when you play against Mysterio, you need to keep your board set stable enough that those spikes are things that you can like you can withstand. come back from. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll I'll allow myself to take more damage from Mysterio's attacks because his attack value is rather low and keep allies around for when a spike does occur. That way I have my like oh poops button. Let me let me fix this. And so do that's remember good... that ninety percent of the time I'm playing the precon decks. Um, and two of the games were with precon decks because I generally I want to see how this villain out of the box goes against these heroes out of the box. Um, yep. I was so mad that I had to bust out an S tier, you know, constru- full. I, I would say if, if you construct most heroes, they can withstand Mysterio pretty well. I think. Like Hulk's gonna struggle, and the the struggling heroes are gonna struggle. But most of them should do okay with a constructed deck. But you have to build your deck differently. Um, and the, the most annoying thing to me about Mysterio is when he shuffles cards into your deck, because it completely putzes with like all the player information you had. Right, mm-hmm. like his first stage puts something in your discard pile, so you have this long 
delay before it impacts you. And then he puts it on the bottom of your deck. But as soon as like a shifting apparition or something else shuffles something into your deck, oh. now like you're slowing down the game so you can shuffle your deck. And there's this random element added in instead of like an element that's programmed so I know where it goes. I think you just um, don't like you just you're not a big fan of shuffling your deck. I'm not a big fan of shuffling my deck every turn. I don't I'm play just... card games to shuffle every turn. I play card games with big decks, so I shuffle like every five turns. I, I, I'm I'm just not a fan of anything that has the word discard on it. I think that's your big issue with Fearmonger. I I love Fearmonger, and uh, I, yeah, I I put all my cool cards in my deck. So let me look, let me look at all the cool cards I put in my deck, and this helps me do that. And I will say. <laughs> Adderkop made a joke earlier, but I actually think there's value to it. And like, Mysterio might actually be a villain, or maybe it makes sense to make a 50 card deck. There's enough good cards out there now that you can make a 50 card deck that still has all good cards in it. And if you add well, 10 more cards to your deck, you're drawing into less illusions. All sorts of things are. You better be careful. You're going to be blacklisted. Out. I know. For, I, for suggesting someone's such gonna a. Ma someone's going to math me in the comments, and I'm okay with that. I'm <laughs> willing to admit that I'm not always the best at math, and sometimes I'm okay at it. Wait, but I'll I die there too. That, yeah, I I'll, think I'll, that it's okay. I, I wasn't joking. That's a. Okay, well, was... good. I'm glad. I actually tried it, and it went really well. So I'm. I mean, I only tried it for one game. I didn't go crazy. I mean, right. I, I would but try it. But I'm never going to play him again, so it don't matter. <laughs> so, so for me, here's here's my thoughts. I like the way that Kennedy Hawk explained it, where it's like spikes and not snowballs. For me, Hood was the snowball one, where you could just it it just cascades into this. It, like for me, Hood is an F. Mysterio's not an F, um, because you can come back from it. I think, and and yeah, there's randomness, which I'm fine with. But, um, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, we should we should grade Mysterio and wrap up our two hour debacle that ended. Sorry, everybody. Rather rather spikingly negative. My, I'll, I'll, I give him a I give him a C. I give this scenario a C. A C really a C. that yeah. low? Yeah, that I, low. I give it's, him an F. It's, it gives me the same. Crimson gives him an F bomb. A Got lot it. of the same feels as the hood, but not as really? bad. Not oh not as gosh. bad. And I like. Yeah, you can you can build for the shifting apparition, so you don't get those extra cards in your encounter deck, right? With with the one damage attacks and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, if I'm playing the campaign, I'm happy to play through this. But right? I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to play the pull campaign. Pull you and play him tonight. Yeah. I, I'm what I'm that. saying is, I'm not going to play the Galaxy's Most Wanted campaign anymore. Yeah. If someone I'm wanted gonna, to gotcha. play through this campaign, I would do it, and I would I would be fine with it, right? But and I would I would also be fine with playing Mysterio, um, but I'd rather play the first two scenarios in the box. We should play a four-player game of Mysterio after this. Yeah, I, I, just I will, here. should play a four-player. I will give him an F. <laughs> I, I'm going to put him in the box with the Hood and Ronin and Miss Marvel, and I'm never going to open that box again. So you mean the resters? The box of the resters. The resters. Get, um, get the right term. Miss Marvel's really good at kill, killing shifting aberrations too. I don't know what you guys are complaining about. Yeah, what what do you Marvel rate? Props there. What do you What do you rate it? I'm really boring, and I'm going to give Mysterio an A. I think Mysterio A's across the board. Straight A's for you. Straight yeah. A student so far in this box. So this is why I'm giving him an A. I think he is of the first three villains. He's either the most thematic, or Sandman is, and theme is the most important thing to me. I think he is well-rounded and like he's unique i do his think his, his difficulty his head is a fishbowl that's an obvious so thing. he's so he's well-rounded 
Yes, he is super well-rounded. He's almost spherical. Yeah. Um, I think that he his difficulty can be spiky, and I haven't experienced it yet. That happened to me with Nebula, where I didn't experience it. So I might come back next week and be like, "Hey guys, I was wrong. I'm serious." <laughs> but right now, after my ten games, he's he's okay on difficulty level to me. But I could see I have a vision where he could be worse. And the main reason is when they previewed all the villains in the preview article, or the first four villains, I guess, I was reading through like the previewed cards for Mysterio, and I was convinced that like Mysterio was going to break this box for you me. You had and low I expectations. Ne- I was never going to want to play this game. So I had low expectations, but I also like I went into this the first time playing it being like, this is going to be the most grueling two hours ever. And it wasn't too bad. So I immediately was like, well, let me try it again and see if that was just luck. And again, I was just like, okay, like there were spikes and there were moments of tension, but I mean, I don't play the game to be bored and not have moments of tension. Um, so I was super happy with it compared to my expectations, which were just pukey surge fest. Um, like his fishbowl spilled out little copies of the word surge all over my face. And I didn't feel that. So I'm, I'm giving him an A. All right. Out of cup. <laughs> you um, want me to go again? I can do it. A lot of pressure here. What's the GPA for Mysterio? Oh man, I think I'm gonna give him a B plus. Um, just because, like, he is okay. So he is thematic, like you said. Um, and I totally agree with that. I love Mysterio. He's one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. Um, I, it's just like, hmm, it's a lot to juggle, I guess. And <laughs> the other thing is that since he puts cards in your deck and I don't sleeve my encounter deck because like, I'm an animal, uh, I have to sleeve the encounter deck for it. Oh, well, yeah. you have to technically, right? Yeah, I know, but it just then, but you sleeve your, 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 your player decks, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Pile so, shuffle. You can do it. It's fine. Yeah. So there's, so there's a couple sizes. There are a couple negative points, but. Uh, all in all, like I think this is this is still a really cool scenario. The theme is good, uh, the art is good, and it's Mysterio, and he's a cool villain. So that uh, easy. All right. Well, we know next week or next episode we're going to cover the Sinister Six. So this week's MCM challenge is going to be to take your favorite hero up against Zola with the Sinister Assault modular set. So this is a modular set that's not used with any of the villains in the box, and we'll talk about it a little bit next week. But it contains six minions, all with three boost icons. And I want to know how difficult that makes our favorite minion meddler, Zola. So combining mine and Adderkop's favorite piece, Hydra, with some other people's favorite pieces, Spider-Man, to make an extremely exciting Marvel Champions scenario. So check the show notes or the comments at the bottom of the YouTube video for the Google form, because we are still recording and gathering all these MCM matchup statistics for a big report out once we've done them for a full year. Let's close today by ranking these three. So we'll let Crimson go first, because we know Mysterio (laughs) is in third place so far. Who's your first and second place villain so far in the box? Venom's my favorite out of the box. Uh, I I quite enjoy playing against villain. Uh, Venom. I, I just enjoyed the art. I enjoyed the theme. I enjoyed everything about him. Uh, Sandman is a great tester uh, villain. Uh, I will be playing him probably more than any of the other characters because I'll use him for testing purposes. Um, Mysterio, I'm never going to play him again, so it's all good. All right. Adder Cop, why don't you give us your rankings here? 
Who gets the um, blue ribbon? I I think it's Crossbones. Hmm. It's probably Crossbones. Um okay, yeah, I thought so. It's I mean Sandman is my favorite one so far. Um that is to say Sandy is dandy. But I like I feel like even though I, I ranked Venom and Mysterio with different grades, they're like they're both tied and they're both very close to first. You know? Like it's these are all really, really good villains. I like all of these. Um that's what I feel like with students when I give them different grades, and I'm like, "But that one's so much smarter. How did this happen?" Right? Yeah. How did that? How did this happen? Yeah. How, <laughs> how did, did I grade <laughs> it this way? What did I do? Yeah. Where Where was I at mentally? Um. So yeah, I, I think I think the order is is Sandman. Uh, uh, I'll, Mysterio, then Venom. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my my gut on this one, even though the letters don't match. Sorry, everybody. I'm the same as you, so I'll chime in. I'm Sandman's still number one for me. For some reason, other than Ebony Ma, not you. The first villains in every box have made me super pleased with the box as an entrance point. So Sandman is the top for me. Mysterio's the second one, and then Venom's the bottom one, mainly because, in my opinion, Venom's too easy to game by using the bell system. And I am not the kind of player that can like suspend the logical part of my brain that says this is the best move to do. Like I don't play risky business trying to flip Norman constantly and take extra damage. And the same thing happens to me with Venom. And then it just becomes this long drawn out game where like the outcome is more or less determined from the start, which is not as exciting to me as the other two. Why why would you play a deterministic game, right? Exactly. If you were going to do that, just play Candyland. Right. Eventually you get I there, yeah. I Candyland all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, man. You should subscribe to the competitive subreddit. Okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> my, my order is Venom, then Sandman, then Mysterio. Yes. And it's, it is like neck and neck with Venom and Sandman. I actually do think Venom's pretty thematic. Um, yeah. And. It is. And I, I get what you're saying, Kennedy. Talk about gaming it. Um, I don't think that it makes it that much like that, like an overly long scenario um, with using the chime counters or in the, on the bell tower. Have you played a four-player game? No, Venom, where you're I don't play four. Tower, I don't play tell you. It is I don't. Wrong. I don't. <laughs> Me play and Americano are on the same page here. We don't play four-player games. <laughs> well, just wait until two weeks from now. You're going to play so many four-player games. <laughs> So I mean it's it's like neck and neck. Like it's photo finish for those two. So So I did I did end up choosing I did have a Venom sticker for my scenario box. Uh I to to represent the sinister motives box. Have you finished the whole box to make that decision? Yes. Or are you just you just going off gut? No, I I have. Um Okay. I've not. But I've not played the next two. Yet. If you want, if you want to see what my what my scenario or what my uh, my storage box looks like, you can go and tell what my favorite um, expansions are. So there's little pictures of Ronan everywhere. I see it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it for today. So next episode, we will go over. The Sinister Six and Unnamed Villain Number 5, as well as our thoughts on the campaign system and campaign mode overall. So thanks for tuning in. Hopefully 
the illusions don't haunt you as they did Crimson, and they're more friendly <laughs> like Casper and they were with me. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. But let us know in the comments what you thought of the one villain we disagreed on, Mysterio. Yeah, so for the handful of you that actually stick, stuck around this long... <laughs> I think us. most of them actually did stick around. <laughs> All ten of them. They might put it on 1.5 speed. I really just but... coded 10 bots, and they listen to us every week. It's really cool. Uh, tell, yes. tell, us in the, tell us in the comments if you're ready to throw shade at Mysterio or if you're cruising for illusion. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't rhyming enough. I'm not giving you that. Thanks, one, every, so. thanks everybody. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs>